Hi, welcome to the Vineyard Altoona podcast, where we attempt to equip people for kingdom release. If you have any questions or just want more information, you can visit our website at vineyardaltoona.org or any of our social media platforms at Vineyard Altoona. And now, here's Evan with the message. Hello and welcome to worship at Vineyard Altoona. We're glad that you're able to join us through the video. Um, we're, we're excited that you get to participate in worship here at the Vineyard um, in, in, in whatever way that best fits you and your family. Um, we're excited to, to get to continue to be a part of life together, um, even if it looks so much different um, than it has in years past. Um, although uh, very similar to what it's looked like in the past year. I'm Evan. I am uh, one of the, I'm the, uh, on staff here at the Vineyard. I'm the campus ministries pastor. Um, so I spend um, time reaching out to college students um, at Penn State Altoona. Uh, if I know you, uh, hello, good to kind of see you, not really, um, but it's good to, to be able to, to join you in spirit. And so, um, nope, I'm going to try all that again. That was really bad. I was waiting for it. <laughs> Hi, Evan. Derek, Jerry, gone. Let's preach. All right. Uh, I hate that this... I hate that I don't get to interact with people. Hello. Welcome to the Vineyard. Um, glad that you get to join us through the video. We're excited that you can continue to be a part of worship. I'm Evan. I'm a campus ministries pastor with the Vineyard. Um, I also run a sandwich shop in downtown Altoona. And right off the bat, I hate the fact that I can't actually be with you. I really wish that we could all be together. Um, uh, and so the, the camera is not always my best friend. Um, but I'm glad that you, that we get to participate together in the worship of Jesus because that's what really matters. And so I'm glad that you get to be a part of worship today. Um, uh, however you're joining, wherever you're joining, whoever you're joining with, I'm glad that you're here. Um, so Derek and Jerry are away this week. Um, they're, they're off at a vineyard conference. And so, um, uh, I have the, the honor and the privilege of getting, um, to share with you a word, um, from scripture. Uh, and I'm excited to do that. So, um, like I said, my name's Evan, and I do campus ministry um, over at Penn State Altoona. Um, as, a, as a quick update, um, uh, the semester is actually coming to an end at Penn State. Um, we have a couple more weeks before finals, so students are starting to feel the stress and the pressure of, of getting ready for finals and being a part of that. So, um, if you remember, please uh, be praying for uh college students and for the, the stress and the anxiety they're going to be facing in the next couple of weeks. Um, if you'd like to know more about the campus ministry that we do, um, feel free to reach out to me. I would love to sit down and have a conversation or just email back and forth um, about how you could uh, be praying for and, and be a part of what we do to reach out to college students and share with them the love of Jesus. So um, I've, I've been a part of the Vineyard for uh, about a year now on staff, but I've known people from the Vineyard for a, a number of years now. Um, I moved to Altoona about six years ago, um, and it was a couple years after that that I started meeting some folks that went to this place called the Vineyard. Most of them had some sort of merchandise that had the name on it. It was either a sweatshirt or sweatpants, and I'd run into them all the time, and they were great people, and I loved hanging out with them. And, and But there was something different about them. Um, they were kind of odd sometimes, and... Um, 
What was interesting about a lot of the people that I met who went to the vineyard is they just had a different way of doing ministry. Um, I, I would meet them, I would, I would see them in coffee shops or, or, you know, mostly hanging out at the Clay Cup. There's not a whole lot of other coffee shops I hang out here in Alduna. But I would see them and, and we would get to talking and I would share with them something I was wrestling with, whether it was like, ah, oh, my back's been hurting me or I've been having these financial issues or I'm like stress and anxiety or up or whatever it was. I would share with them something that was going on in my life and they would say, hey, can I pray for you? I'd love to pray for you for that. And I'd be like, oh yeah, that'd be great. And I'd be like, okay, can I pray for you right now? And I was like, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, we're in the middle of a, a, of a coffee shop, but sure. I mean, if you want to. And that was a little bit new for me. And, and, and it, so I, I began to know these people who went to the vineyard as the right now people. I'd be like, oh yeah, those are the right now people. They're the people that are going to pray for you right now. They're, they're not going to waste any time. They're not going to do it later. They're going to lay hands on you and they're going to pray for whatever it is you're wrestling with right now. And it was kind of a joke at times, but it also um, has become one of the things that I love about this church and I love about the way um, that we do ministry is that God has called us to be present in the moment with people, to be praying for them, to step out um, and, and trust him and, and to pray for things that a lot of people don't pray for, like healing. You know, multiple times I've had people, I'd be like, my back is hurting today. And they're like, let me pray for that. And they would lay their hands on me and Lord, just heal this. And I'd be like, uh, okay. And they'd be like, how's it feel? And I was like, uh, the same. And they're like, okay, let me pray more. And I was like, okay. And so it was just really fascinating to me how God had called people from the vineyard, we as a church, to, to minister to people. And so that's something I want to dig into a little bit today. As we're in a series about our, our mission and values, um, we're in a season of exploring these things. And, and as we come out of quarantine and, and um, kind of reemerge from hibernation a little bit, who is God calling us to be as a church, as a body of believers? And, and as we've kind of come to some conclusions about what that is, we're, we're working very intentionally to, to be about the things that God has called us to and nothing else. And so our, our first core value is that we join what God is doing. And, and we're trying to be ruthless about that. And so as we explore that uh, during this sermon series, Derek started it last week with his uh, sermon talking about keeping in step with the Spirit. Um, I want to I want to talk a little bit today um, about what does it mean to be right now people? What does it mean to join God in what he's doing and trust him for whatever it is that he's asking us to do? Um, and, and so at, I want to talk in around uh, and about the story of Jesus and Peter walking on water. Okay, and that you can find that in Matthew 14, and we're going to dig into that in just a little bit here. But I am in front of a camera, and I need the Holy Spirit to come and be present um, as we share this together. And so, would you pray with me um, as I get ready to to dig into the Word a little bit? So let's pray. Um, so, Holy Spirit, come, Father, you know me. You know every part of me. You know where I'm at right now. You know um, every every good and evil thought in my spirit, Father, every um, every bit of selfishness and every solution. So Holy Spirit, would you just come? Would you be with me? And would you um, would you just speak your truth through me, God? And, and I pray that you are with those who are listening right now. I pray that you would um, that you would just speak to them, Lord, soften their hearts, ready them to hear what you have to say. 
Father, may we remain focused on you during this time. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, before we dig into Matthew 14, I wanted to, um, there's this phrase that I have that I use with a lot of my students, um, and and they make fun of me a little bit for it, and I'm okay with that because I think it's important. Um, And that's this, and that's context is king. You have to know the context of a story in order to know what's going on in the story. You can't, you know, um, you, you have to know the details surrounding a story to really understand what's going on in the story. So, for instance, if I told you that I was part of a kidnapping last week, if I participated in a kidnapping last week, you would be either suspicious that I was lying or telling a joke, or you would think I was a monster, like, that that's, that's crazy. But if I, if I give you all the details, the context, this is actually happening I, in my backyard. I trapped a skunk last week and, and covered it up and put it in my truck and took it up the mountain and released it into the state game lands. Suddenly, instead of a kidnapper, I'm like a humanitarian pretty much. And so we have to know the context to understand what's really going on in a story. Um, and so I wanted to think a little bit about the context of scripture before we dive into this particular story in scripture. And I want to start pretty wide. I want to start in the beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's where I want to start. And so in the beginning, God creates this world and it's, it's perfect. It's, it's good. He says it's good. And he puts animals in it and he makes all sorts of beautiful land formations. And then to, to rule and reign over that creation, he creates humans. And he puts them in there to, to work the ground and to keep it um, and, and to create flourishing, the conditions for flourishing. He wants people to create good things in the world. So that's the world we were supposed to live in from day one. But sin entered the world through Adam and Eve, and they decided that they knew better than God. And, and because they thought that, they betrayed God. And they took that which was not theirs to take. And in doing so, they broke relationship with God. And when they broke their relationship with God, they actually broke all of their relationships. They no longer related to other people in the way that they should. They no longer related to the creation in the way that they should. They didn't even relate to themselves anymore. It says they, they, they were naked and they were ashamed. They didn't even see their own bodies the way they should. And, and that brokenness has carried on to us today. And so none of us relate to each other or the creation or ourselves or to God in the way that we were meant to. But God, in his great mercy, didn't give up on a broken world. Instead, he leaned in and he said, I am going to redeem and restore this world. And so he set into motion a plan to restore all things. And so in the Old Testament, we read about how he used different people to try and and share this message and to teach people on how to live in the world. But he knew it was never going to work with any of the people that he was using. And so he sent his own son, Jesus Christ, to come to the earth and to live the life that we all should have lived, and and to teach us how to live that life. But ultimately, in living that life, he was able to pay the penalty for our betrayal. He took the punishment that we were supposed to get, and in doing so, paved a way for us to one day be reunited with God in the way that we were always meant to. And one day, I think that God is going to make all things new again, and we are going to get to join him in that restoration. 
And, and we get to join him every day in that restoration. Our lives uh, are an invitation from God to participate in his redeeming and restoring of all of creation, of making everything new again. For uh, It's an invitation to live into the kingdom and not into our selfish desires and, and, and the ways of our flesh. So that's the story of the Bible all summed up. That's our story. We are a part of that. We're in between Jesus dying on the cross and God making all things new again. And so we are a part of this story, which I think is important as we think about any parts of Scripture, because it's our history and it's our story, and it helps set the stage for what sort of story this is. And we're, we're part of a giant rescue mission that God is um, enacting for the whole world. And so as we look at, at Matthew, um, it's the first gospel, meaning um, the story of Jesus. Um, and it has specific themes because it's a specific book written to specific people. Okay, so one of these themes, for instance, is that Matthew um, is his gospel is written to show Christ's identity as the Messiah and his fulfillment of the promise made to Abraham to be a blessing to all nations. So Matthew is really highlighting the fact that Jesus is this long-awaited Messiah, this King that that people for ages had been waiting for, and so Jesus is not what they expected, and so Matthew is saying, "This is the guy. He is the Son of God," and and deserves to be worshipped. Matthew's gospel also provides clear instructions for all Christians, um, both Jews and Gentiles, to form a new community centered upon devotion and obedience to Jesus the Messiah amid significant opposition. So Matthew is encouraging us to lay aside all of our apparent differences and join together in following Jesus no matter who or what comes against us. And, and so Matthew is showing the reader who Christ is and what he's about. And so all of that, the context of a giant rescue mission and Matthew trying to show who Christ is in that larger rescue mission story um, helps us understand the specific story we were about to read here in Matthew. So if you want, you can turn with me to Matthew 14. We're going to be starting in verse 22. The context of this specific story is that Jesus has just finished feeding 5,000, um, Scripture says it was just men, so some scholars say it could have been upwards of fifteen to 20,000 people that Jesus fed with just five loaves and two fish. So he's just performed this incredible miracle, and he has sent the disciples uh, away. Um, it, uh, he'll get into that, but he's going to go up uh, into the mountains to pray. So in verse 22, it says, immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and says, it's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it's you, 
Command me to come to you on the water. Jesus said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. In reading this, um, as I read this story and, and thought about it and, and, and prepared for what we're going to talk about today, there was a temptation to make this story all about Peter and, and to look at it and say, man, look at Peter's boldness and, and how he stepped out of the boat. Um, and, and, and man, you know, we got to have faith like Peter to step out of the boat. But really, one thing is clear. This story is actually about Jesus. And the point of this story is that Jesus is worthy of our worship. That Jesus is the one that should have our admiration in this story. You see, Jesus just gets done feeding tons of people. Okay, he's just performed this incredible miracle. And, and then he walks on water. This is like physically impossible, except apparently not. And so, I mean, I don't know, maybe I'm just weird, but I've tried this before. I don't know if anybody else has tried this, but you like, you know, you step out onto water and very quickly you realize you're like, I have, I have no idea how Jesus did that. You know, it's just he, walking on water. And then later, after this story happens, after he calms the wind and the waves, he's going to go across to the other side of the sea and heal a bunch more people. All of this in the context of rescuing the world from evil. This is the story that Jesus is living. His whole life is about showing people the way to live in the kingdom and he's showing that God is powerful to save. And we see his power in this story. Yet we often, when we read it, focus on Peter. We don't, we don't focus on Jesus walking on the water. We focus on Peter getting out of the boat. But if we miss Jesus' power to rescue and to save, we're missing the whole point of this story. I want you to see that, friends, that, that Jesus is powerful to save. Yet, nonetheless, Peter is here. He's in the story. And, and, and so we ask why. Why is Peter here? And what's going on with Peter? So Peter is clearly inspired by what's going on. He's seen Jesus do things he can't explain. He's, he's seen things happen. He's seen people healed. He's seen people fed and he can't explain it. And he's currently in the process of seeing Jesus do something he can't explain. Jesus is literally walking on water. And Peter wants in. Peter wants to join God in what he's, what, what's going on here. And so, and uh, he, but he's like a little nervous. You can tell he, he's, it's just interesting how when he sees Jesus walking on the water, he says, Jesus, if it's you, Invite me to come out with you. 
And as I was thinking about this, I think it's a little bit like, have you ever uh, been at a party or something like that where there's something fun going on? Maybe it's a game or, or people are, you know, there's a dance going on and, 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 but there's just one person out there having fun and you're sitting there like, man, I want, I want to go out and, and have fun as well. I want to be a part of what's going on, but I'm nervous. I don't, I don't, there's risk involved in stepping out and being a part of what's going on and participating. Um, and so you want an invitation. You want somebody to invite you into whatever it is that's going on. I don't know. Maybe nobody else has been, a, this has happened to them, but it happens to me. It seems like all the time that I just want somebody to want me to, to be a part of what's going on. And, and so maybe you even like, you know, you like start swaying your hips, doing this little thing like, yeah, I'm ready to go. And you hope you get an invite into the, the dance or into the party or into whatever. And, and Peter has the boldness to say, Jesus, if it's you, ask me to come out there. Tell me to come out there. And, and I just think it's an interesting question. And so Jesus does. He says, come, come on out. And so Peter climbs out of the boat. I'm sure this was an incredible experience for Peter to, you know, and I think he's probably so excited to be able to get out and, and join in this miracle that's happening that he just gets out of the boat and he's walking on water towards Jesus. And I'm sure there was tons of excitement, but at some point he loses focus. Now scripture says that he saw the wind, which is kind of weird. And I don't really know what that means, but he, it says he saw the wind and, and I'm sure he saw the waves. He lost focus on Jesus. He, he stopped paying attention to what Jesus was doing and he saw everything that was around. And that's when he started to sink. He started to drown and Jesus had to reach out and grab him and pull him up. And he says, oh, you have little faith. Why did you doubt me? And I have to wonder to myself, it, you know, it's, it's critical of Jesus to, to criticize Peter and his lack of faith. But I also have to wonder if, if Jesus just isn't disappointed because Peter didn't get to experience being out there with him for very long. And he's saying, man, if you just, if you stayed focused, if you just focused on me, if you had faith, we'd be out here hanging out. But Jesus climbs back into the boat with Peter and immediately the wind just stops and, and they're able to go safely to shore. I think, um, this often happens to us in a certain sense, you know. So I, I worked for a number of years at a summer camp. Um, and for a couple of those years, I got to be on their adventure staff, which was really cool. I um, assisted people with a climbing tower. Um, uh, and, and so what would, what would happen is uh, kids would come and they'd get all harnessed up and they climb the tower. And then we had a zip line at the top and so they could get hooked up and zip down this long valley. And it was super cool. Everybody loved it. Um, and, uh, sometimes, and this happened every once in a while, every, you know, week or two, um, we'd get a kid that would come and he, you know, usually boys, they were dumb, you know, and they would be super excited to climb the tower and they'd be like, Oh, I'm going to climb this tower. Look at me. I'm so cool. And they would be super excited to climb and ride the zip line. They'd be bragging about it and they'd get harnessed up and they'd start climbing. And sometimes they struggled, but a lot of times they just zip right up because they were so little and, and, and they were focused on, you know, okay, there's a hold here and a hold here. And they would just be so zoned in on what they were doing. They would climb all the way to the top of the tower and, and get on there before they realized what was actually going on and where they were. And they'd get up and they would stand up and they'd be like, yeah. And then you'd see them like grab onto something because they would get nervous. And they're like, oh, they're like, they realize they're 32 feet up in the air. And, and like all that's holding them there is this little strap and, and they would get nervous about it. 
And inevitably I'd have to like talk them through the whole process of getting on the zip line. And things changed when they got into it, when they were really up there. So what, what, I think this is what kind of happens to Peter is, is there's this excitement to join God, to be a part of what God is doing. Um, and so he just gets into it. But as soon as he's there, he realizes what's actually going on and the risk that seems to be all around and, and he loses focus and, and suddenly the world looks a lot different. So what does all this have to do with being right now people and, and joining what God is doing? What's the point? Well, it's this, I think Peter is in the story, but God is the focus of the story. We are in the story, but God must be the focus of our stories. Let me say that again. Peter is in the story, but Jesus is the focus of the story. We are in the story, but Jesus needs to be the focus of our stories. A lot of times I think when we, when we think about joining God in what he's doing. We, we think about getting an invitation to do something like Jesus calls us to pray for somebody or um, to help out somebody who's struggling or, or to pray for healing, something like that. And, and we almost think of it as a test of our faith. And, and so we have this weight on our shoulders that we have to follow through. And then what inevitably happens is if it doesn't go the way we wanted it to go, we start to doubt, like, is Jesus even real? Like, is this all for real? I, this is this is my story, friends. Like, this happens to me all the time. I'm like, what's going on, Jesus? Because what happens is we lose focus of what's actually going on in a situation. And what we should be focused on is what Jesus is doing. The, the focus of the story is Jesus and who he is and what he's doing. But instead, we focus on ourselves and, and we put this weight on ourselves to, to follow through and show that we're faithful. And, and then we, we buckle under the stress and under the anxiety of, is this going to work out? We should instead fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. We need to see that he is all powerful, that he walks on water and that the wind and the waves obey him. Friends, if we don't stop to see that Jesus is all powerful and loves us and is in our corner fighting for us, then we're missing the whole point of the story. So as we, as we wrap up our time together, I want to encourage you, don't focus on the what. As we as a church and as you as an individual seek to join God in what he's doing, whatever it is, we don't have time for me to, to go through, man, what is it that God is, is calling you to? And But I would encourage you, sit down with somebody from the church or with somebody you trust and um, maybe after church today, sit down and talk with some of the other people um, and, and think about, man, what is it that God is calling me to? But as you start to figure out what it is that God is inviting you to, don't focus on the what that God is calling you to. Focus on the fact that it is God who is calling you to do it. As a church, we want to be people who join God in what he is doing. But if we make it about our faithfulness, we will fail. If we focus on ourselves, we will fail. 
But if we fix our eyes on God's power and goodness, he will give us the strength to join him every moment as we minister to those around us. Friends, if if the God of the universe needs you and I to accomplish something, then he's not the God of the universe. He is all-powerful. We are fragile. So I want to encourage you that as you go from this, be free. Be free of anxiety. Be free to do whatever it is that God is calling you to do. Focus on him. And let his strength be yours. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. But more importantly, you love us. So Father, we ask that you would be our strength. Show us what you're calling us to. Help us to step out in your power. God, we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.